Welcome to the Weekly Roar. I'm Grant Bruner. And I am Jared Russo. This is episode 740. Uh, what animal are you thinking about today, Jared? Uh, the last time I did a podcast out of my dad's apartment, there was a cat in the alley behind this window who was like, not crying, but like wailing. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that the cat will be back. Although the last time that was at night, and now it's the daytime. So I think we're good. Mm. Uh, is your... Not not to not to blow up anyone's spot, but uh, where roughly is your dad? Where does he live? Poughkeepsie. Ah, good old Poughkeepsie. It's spelled weird. It uh, is not English. I would imagine it's it's the uh, language of origin for the name of this place. Mm. Uh, so we we watched some we watched some X Files. Oh, I guess I should actually I should do before we do X Files. I should talk about the dog. Uh, my animal of the week is my neighbor dog Pepper. She uh, had gotten out last night, and when I I went out got some groceries, and I came back, and she was just in the the open front yard of my of my next door neighbors, and I'm like, ah, she's not supposed to be there, I don't think. So I go and I knock on my elderly neighbor's uh, door, and I go, is is Pepper the neighbor dog supposed to be out? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna grab. Uh, gra- grab her and, and help give it to her, give her to you. So, yeah, Pepper the Neighbor Dog. Now that Darling's out of the picture, uh, Dar- uh, Pepper the Neighbor Dog has said, well, it's time for me to act up now. Is is Pepper the Dog named after Sergeant Pepper? I'm pretty sure named after either Pepper the, the uh, like, a bell pepper or a, a, a chili pepper or Pepper as in, like, salt and pepper. Isn't the boss from Star Fox that dog... Pepper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also grew up with a schnauzer named Pepper, but he was named Pepper because he is like a salt and pepper beard. Mm. Um, X-Files, you seem to really like these four. We did we did episodes, uh, what, seven through ten. No. Is that right? Let me, let me, let me look. We did... Isn't, isn't seven did, through yeah. ten what we're doing now? Yeah, we did seven through ten is what we, is what we watched this week. Um, and that's a Ghost in the Machine, Ice space and fallen angel you seem to really like these do you like all of them equally or do you have a, a favorite no i don't like them equally but i'm definitely in a groove where i like found out my dad watched the x-files like when i was a a toddler mm. and a child obviously he didn't watch it with me but he was just like a fan of like mm. fun conspiracy theory stuff so we blitzed through a ton of episodes and thank goodness they were all really good and I dug most of them. Um, I'm trying not to outpace myself because I don't want to watch too much and then like forget the details of the episodes that we're going to talk about. But uh, yeah, man, this show's hitting a groove. Definitely. But it, like, so it is, it is interesting. They're definitely feel more comfortable but then there are also moments where it feels schlockier we'll get into it the first uh the first of these of these that we're watching is ghost in the machine the very quick summary on uh, the the x-files wiki is the agents must survive in a building that is controlled by a murderous computer um what, what do you think what did you think about about episode ghost in the machine uh this was the most like simpsons ass like a uh, treehouse of horror plot ever and it was so ridiculous even more than the jersey devil that i have now come around and i was like now i see why you like the jersey devil episode so much because the sillier they are the better it is it is so it is interesting because like i I, there there is like i feel like there is good schlock in in these episodes and there is bad schlock 
Um, and I will get to, to the bad schlock. I don't think, I think this is, this is mostly more good schlock than it is bad schlock in this one. Um, I think it's, pr- it's generally pretty good. Um, I, I have, I do have some notes and I, I kind of want to go through, so- through some of them. Um, the dude gets, uh, got by a hitman ass distraction and execution. Like that is v- in the opening scenes where the executive gets murdered. That is some shit you would do in hitman. Now we're talking. Hell yeah, dude. That's, that's why I like this show, because it seems like they're going to do creative, interesting kills based on creative, interesting bad guys in a way that I haven't seen. Or if I have, I can go back and say, oh, but they did that in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, P- Mulder says the words politically correct elevator simply because it is accessible. That shit sucks. Fuck the 90s. Um, the idea that something being accessible is quote unquote politically correct. Uh, eat my ass, Chris Carter. And whoever wrote that, that sucks. And you suck. Um, now, in defense of Fox Mulder, the character, if he were to have done all these cases now, mm-hmm. he would be uh, he probably super progressive be that in shit. his views. Yeah. yeah, he would be super, like, just down for whatever human rights because he has alien rights to worry about. Sure. Um, the, 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 uh, the right, right away, you, I, I, I've now watched this, I think I've watched this episode three times. Um, but even, even when I watched it the first time and I didn't know the plot, um, it's like the, 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 Guy who is like the, I'm just, I'm just a simple country building systems engineer. I couldn't possibly know what's happening here. Um, like very funny being like, I, what? No, I, robots killing people? (laughs) Well, that doesn't seem likely. It it, it is very, very much like, okay, this guy, not necessarily that he is like the antagonist, but like, all right, well, he's up to something. He knows more than he is letting on immediately. Uh, uh, Yeah, I I love that character. Any character who suddenly turns into like a secret bad guy, if if the twist is is stupid enough, Mm. it it goes from being so bad that it's so bad it's good. Mm. Uh, Funny enough, Last Action Hero was randomly on, and we, and we watched that, and there was, like, a, a cop who dies in that movie who just jokes, like, I was two weeks away from my pension. <laughs> and I always, like, figured that, like, characters on this show would say stuff like that, or it's just like, listen, I'm retiring next week, so I better not get involved in this evil robot business or nothing. Yes. Uh, and then they're secretly on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the dystopian surveillance uh, that we are being threatened with in this episode is just the world we live in currently. But uh, the evil AI um, that the one guy at Google thought was like real and sentient. Uh, I don't, we're not, we're not quite there at evil computer, just evil people using computers. But yeah, but they're like, did you know that this, the Holy grail is a computer that can learn. And it's like, motherfucker computers can learn all the time. That like not hard, not hard to, to work that out. Computers are good at learning shit. Um, this is such a <laughs> 1970s Silicon Valley stereotype. The, the, "Quote unquote, like genius Brad. Brad is his name. Brad. I think his name's Brad. Um, just such a like. This is what this is what people think Steve Jobs was like in reality. Or Bill Gates. Just, yeah. yeah, just just a total fucking uh, dickhead. Um, but yeah, a rich it's, house it's, and he, it's like he's just like against the man, yes. but like accidentally creates. I guess a sort of prototypical Google algorithm that. So full disclosure, I used to work at Google and every single time someone searches something on Google, um, especially if it's not something that has been searched before, which is quite often, it 
gets like 0.0001% better or smarter. Mm. So like it is just a constantly improving self system because so many people are adding so many new things to it. So it's kind of always learning. Um, that is what yokels in the flyover states would imagine this episode is about. It's like the Google machine's getting smarter and it's going to kill you in the elevator. Uh, but also it's like, oh, a bunch of rich assholes would make a machine that kills you. Like, like Elon Musk is literally making machines that are killing people. It's li- it is literally a thing that is happening on this earth. And the big tech companies are always in, you know, contracting with the Department of Defense. And it's like, no, we'll just, we'll, we'll just happily be paid by the government to, like, work on military stuff. Whereas, like, this was, like, a whole, like, I don't want to work for the military. And then they're, like, going through, like, the destroyed computer parts. They're like, we have yeah. to use this technology to, like, invade the next country. Yeah. I do. So, obviously, like, yes, the vast majority of those fuckers would just immediately do a contract with the DOD, no questions asked. But also, I do like that it is presented to, it's, like, you can tell just, like, what a shitty time the 90s were. Like, how concerned, how, how, like, Reagan-pilled everyone was, is that it is, it is presented to us as, like, this guy, this fucking liberal pansy doesn't want to build bombs. What an asshole. This this hippie dude uh, is willing to have like moral arguments in jail uh, to stop whatever, you know, domino he kicked off. Well, we all know we're great. We would never do anything bad. Uh, he says the words uh, when he is describing people who might have been able to influence the 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 AI system. Uh, he calls them phone freaks, data travelers, electro wizards, and techno anarchists. Uh, and then I wrote down here, I love it, but I hate it. Tag yourself. I'm the techno anarchist. I have a good friend of mine who lives in Philly who hates a lot of journalists who are critical of Philly sports teams. And he calls all of them keyboard terrorists. Anytime anyone reports something he doesn't like, he's like, that guy's a keyboard terrorist. Like he's trying to hurt the Sixers. I don't know anything about sports, but don't the Sixers hurt the Sixers? Every day. Every um, day. I, I wrote down I love and hate the visualizations and sounds every time the the AI is hacking anything or, like, doing anything, or especially when they hack Scully, where, like, it is like, I'm hacking you now. <laughs> it's like the oh, purple. I loved it. It's very funny. Um, I like loved it's, it. It's, it's very it like it's bad, but it's also good. Um it, no, it's it, it is simultaneously like bad schlock and good schlock. Um uh Mulder. If you're is gonna get Mulder. it wrong, get it super wrong. Like yeah. do it so it's really funny. Um <laughs> I I wrote down here, Mulder's always dazzling on the high wire, which is <laughs> dazzling on the high wire is something that they say, uh that I thought was funny. Um drawing Scully is like uh takes uh recordings of the guy's voice and run like you know compares them and be like oh if this is him he's de- he did it. and then just takes a fat fucking marker and just draws on her screen which I thought I, was funny I appreciate that this show sort of predates a lot of the sort of law and order and SCI or uh, CSI like enhance enhance mm-hmm. stuff that like doesn't exist but like it's much more believable on the x-files and then when i like see it on law and order or when i see like fake video games or whatever mm-hmm. it just feels so cringy and it's like this isn't so bad it's good this is just really inaccurate and stupid and and like hurtful whereas in the x-files it's like anything goes man <laughs> um severe dutch angle 
when the mook that is a, a, a former coworker of, of Mulder's gets in the, in the elevator. Is this the first Dutch angle in the series? Cause this is the first one I noticed. It's the first one I noticed, and I don't know how many more characters from either of these two protagonists sort of like backstories they're going to introduce, but I definitely approve of them just going like, I hope there's like someone who's like, hey, my friend from college, and then they're either like super evil or they die or like they like reveal some crazy secret about uh, Mulder or Scully. I, so I'm I'm into it and I'm into elevator action scenes. And I'm into uh, uh, weird Dutch angles. So I mean, that's why I'm into this episode, because it was weird and awesome. You definitely don't want to work alongside Mulder or Scully, right, though? No, you like, don't. Because no, you you, don't. the high mortality rate, you, like, it's not it's not 100%, but it's way higher than you going out on some other fucking bullshit FBI mission. If you're a family member, run. If you're a friend, run. A co-worker, peer, run. A neighbor, run. Like, just don't be associated with these people. Yeah, get the fuck away. Um... <laughs> Uh, uh, I also have, uh, motherfuckers love to cite Oppenheimer as a note. Um, motherfuckers do love to cite Oppenheimer in, in, in any sort of like sci-fi. Uh, hey, what if the robots took over the world? Um, they do it. Uh, we were just recently talking about the Sarah Connor Chronicles. There is a big fat fuck off, uh, like, Oppenheimer segment in one of those episodes. Um, motherfuckers do love to cite Oppenheimer. Um, do, do, are they excited for the Christopher Nolan film coming out? I, I don't know. Is there a Christopher Nolan Oppenheimer film? Oh, you don't know this? Yeah. I don't really follow movies super close. That's the next thing he's working on. It's a biopic about him building the bomb and it starts killing Murphy. And it also has like one of the most insanely stacked casts I've ever seen. And it costs a hundred million dollars, but it's like not an action movie. I'm very interested. I really like Memento, but uh, I, I think Christopher Nolan is very up his own ass. He needs a screenwriter, but I'm generally very into his movies, and I absolutely know what the flaws are, but he's so audacious as a filmmaker that, like, I always have a good time with anything it he makes. Really a make makes you think. Uh, like, I feel like you could just summarize most of his movies as, like, really makes you think, right? Like, no. Um, well, I think about how he's making the movies, because he's technically really good. I just don't think about the screenwriting, because it seems like a first draft every time, but... X-Files, let's go back to that. Um, how, mu- <laughs> how much time do you need? Sultrally opens the laptop for the inmate. I thought that was very funny. Um, those ducks, Scully's in, in, air, in air ducks, those are so large that you could rent them out as apartments. I definitely think that people could live in there in a Japanese capsule hotel capacity. Like, you could rent out, like, oh, it's got air conditioning, and uh, you got space to pop up a little iPad and watch some TV. Uh, and then you can just crawl out of the vents and then go to work. And my final note on this episode is, it's peak hubris to think that destroying one fucking server will even meaningfully slow AI uprising or super weapons or whatever the fuck they're worried about. Yeah, if they had seen, I don't know how they would have because it was the 90s, but if they had seen Avengers Age of Ultron, they would know that evil AIs can just jump to different robot bodies and then summon a mass evil robot army uprising. But like, so like, obviously the, the like one genius guy makes thing, makes an AI or whatever is like a silly dumb thing that doesn't really exist in the real world. Things are not made by one person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also, even if that's true, which is what they're positing, which is like, this guy is so smart. He made an AI that's so smart. It's, it's decades ahead of its time. But 
if you're positing that one person can make an AI, that just means that, like, oh, there's probably, like, hundreds if not thousands of people across the globe that can make an AI. Surely there's just going to be an evil AI again. Yeah, I guess that does imply that, like, there could just be so many people who do it because it's easy that there's just, like, a a village of them and they compete and they talk to each other and there's, like, a big evil internet. That's, yeah, stupid. Uh... Episode. The next episode is called Ice. Uh, the synopsis is, in an Antarctic research station, Mulder and Scully are threatened by primordial ice worms <laughs> that cause their hosts to become dangerously paranoid and violent to each other. But you, this is this is the one that that we had talked about. That it just it's basically just the thing. Um, what do you think about what do you think about this episode? This is just the thing, but they do enough to change it from the basic building blocks of that film. Uh, I think this is the best episode of the series so far. I definitely, I didn't spoil myself, but I definitely looked up the list of like the, the best episodes in the series, according to different people. And this was always up there in some capacity. So I was excited to watch this one. Uh, This is just, I was, what a, what a jam. What a, what an awesome little roller coaster ride of an episode. I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I can easily see why it's it's among the best in the series history. Um, and I look forward to seeing more episodes that hopefully take a, a concept that has already kind of been done, but gives it enough of a TV twist that I can still enjoy it without having to be like, where's the blood scene? When are they going to tap a hot wire into blood? Like they, they, they subvert that. They like, they, they go away from that. And they're like, we're actually going to show you what this thing is and like give you more information. Whereas in the thing, it's just an evil thing. And that's it, which is fine for that movie. Um, but yeah, this episode's awesome. Uh, so here are my notes. Uh, I love the FMV quality acting of the VH, VHS tape that, it, like, what makes Sculder and, uh, Sculder, Mulder and Scully, uh, move off, go off into Alaska to go to this. Um, I think that, like, the staring at the camera and, and overacting is just like, peak fmv you this could have this could have easily been the opening of an fmv game from 1993 or whatever this whole show is like an fmv that's the aesthetic i don't think i put my finger on it but i think that perfectly sums up what the experience is of watching the x-files is it's like i put a cd-rom into my big chunky pc Mm. and i'm playing like a point and click adventure that's called the x-files and i'm just watching the fmv cutscenes. I do think that they made an adventure game, an X-Files adventure game in the 90s, which is unsurprising. Good. Um, I, I should probably look that up at some point. Um, my next note is Seinfeld Dentist. It's, yes. it's the dentist from Seinfeld. Um, no, 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 no. He's not the, no, 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 no. He's not the dentist. That's Brian Cranston. Oh, this, right. He's, this is the stand up comedian who is annoying and steals his material, like Oval uh, Team. Why is yes, it? Yes. It's round. It's not an oval. That's gold, Jared. Gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's right. I, I, but I do, I do, I do, uh, confuse those. Um, anyway, Seinfeld guy. Um, <laughs> the guy just immediately sets the tone that we're all suspicious of everyone. Like, like they they have they have met each they have known each other for all of three and a half seconds, and he's like, "Hey, fuck you, Mulder." I definitely think if you met him in person, you would have that attitude. Maybe not so quickly or 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 hostile. I wouldn't be volatile, mm-hmm. but you could be like, "Maybe this guy's a dick because he's really good looking and mm-hmm. smarmy and thinks he knows everything." And mm-hmm. we find out he has a photographic memory, which he's cursed with. Um, I will say this is I'm sorry. This is sports corner again with Jared. 
he's a Chargers fan when they were in San Diego, and he mentions his uh, Fouts, who is like sort of their maybe their best QB they've ever had. That team has never won and never will win. And they like I could see how he would listen to the good games because what a horrible franchise. Mm, good times. Um, asshole, uh, the, the, also the pilot is immediately a smug asshole. Like, yep. so he, he gets got right away and is, you know, extremely hostile and ends up getting dead pretty fast. Um, like pretty much immediately. And he, and he was an asshole. He tried to hide it, et cetera, et cetera. But just like immediately out of the gate when like nothing really has happened, there's no reason to be a dick. Just immediately a 10 out of 10 asshole. But that's what makes these shows and episodes great. Like, they're more memorable than just being like a generic, like, oh, I, I lost my child. So please help me. I'm, you know, or like, oh, I'll give you some information, Mr. Policeman. Like him with like the I'm the only one who's going to fly you in there. Like that's 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 more engaging. That's more memorable. And that to me is a little I, mean, I think it's funny, but like. That I'm like, then I'm rooting against this guy once he's like infected. I'm like, yeah, die, die. As if he was just some generic no name person. I'd just be like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not attached either what, way. I'm not saying don't have an asshole character. I think it's really weird that the characters are so hostile to each other just immediately with like no discussion, no reason to be an asshole. Just they go straight to the biggest assholes. Right out of the gate. It, it's a tense situation. It's a place no one wants to be. It's it's not like they're in Cancun. They're going to Alaska for some ridiculous reason. You know what I mean? Like, it's like everyone's like clearly like not on edge quite yet at the beginning, but they're definitely like not in a good mood. It's certainly not. Um, the onset is so fast. Like, he gets bit, and like, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's the assumption that there is some amount of time that has passed, but like, they do not hold off. They, there, there is no, there is no waiting in this episode. Um, and I guess it's probably because it's like really kind of like the plot of like a, a two hour movie in, in a 45 minute show, but like, he gets got and then it is like they cut to people and then they cut to him in the bathroom and he has the fucking black nodules. It is really yeah. fast. I good. Like like just just speed through things, like just get to where we already know we're going and then show us something interesting and new that we haven't seen. Like I'm not interested in like the very, very slow, like there's twelve of them. Then there's 11. This was like, nah, there's five, uh, including the pilot. Pilot's gone. Uh, like, let's just start flying through these dudes because uh, we don't have we have time to wait. We have commercial breaks. We have ads to sell. We're Fox. We're an up and coming network. Um, the under the skin crawling around aesthetic is super gross. And then they, they they cut it open and it kills the guy. I think that's probably the grossest thing in X-Files to date. Yeah, I'm not a fan of worms. Um, I I don't like the the thought of someone trying to put a worm in my ear. So uh, no thanks. No thanks. Don't like it. Um, Mulder makes a dick joke as they're taking their pants off. That's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird choice. So funny. That was so funny. Um, lots of jump scares in this episode. It's kind of like once they get to to Alaska, it is kind of a lot of jump scares. Um, like. (laughs) <laughs> they they jump they they get in there the the dog attacks like uh they all go to sleep and the Mulder goes out and gets like a a body falls out of the closet like it is it is just like very very like they want to spook you in this in this episode yeah show the stakes show some tension uh be be a little spookier than uh awful CGI ghost entering or exiting someone's body which has never looked good on the show um. 
it's more conventional, you know, mm-hmm. more blood and and uh, God, those worms. Ugh, just I don't like thinking about the worms. Really? But uh, but yeah, I just I really like the the suspense of like how every single one of those five people react to going into their bedrooms for the night, like. Do they sleep? Do they cry? Do they immediately barricade the door? Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, are they looking around the room? Like, how they're reacting and just not knowing, like, what, like, you kind of have a sense of, like, where the episode's going to end. Our two main heroes are okay. Yeah, they're not, not gonna, quite sure how gonna it's going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, who's going to make it out? Or, like, who was the person who was infected all along? Right. Was there someone infected all along? It's great right. stuff. Uh, is there something stuck in Mulder or Scully that could potentially, you know, do something at some later point? Um, uh, so, I, Mulder is a huge fucking dickhead. Um, he, so one, he needlessly spooks Scully because she's like, you know, hey, we're going to sleep, but like, hey, at least, you know, nobody had the black nostrils. And he's like, they went away, Scully. Good night. Woo. And then she, you know, barricades herself. I'm like, fuck off, Mulder. Fuck off. Um, and then he's also just immediately has no fucking chill because, uh, uh, you know, he has, he finds the dead body and he, instead of just being like, Hey, this isn't cool. We need to solve this. He just immediately goes to like, I need to start raging because that's totally not <laughs> the exact symptoms <laughs> that were, are associated with this problem. Yeah. Everyone quickly blowing up at the, like the drop of a hat is so unlike their characters yes because the episode like requires them to like it asks them to because of like that's what the thing in your neck does to you um maybe a little unwarranted maybe a little unearned but i don't hold that against the episode Mm -hmm. just because i liked it so much Mm -hmm. but obviously if you're going to poke holes in the logic of the x-files don't watch the x-files i guess is what i would say to that sure um hey i I wrote down here don't infect me with an extra parasite thanks i don't want that yeah keeping track of like how many were alive and like once they figured out that you needed two of them Mm -hmm. um some fun logic there while they're trying to be spoopy and 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 get you good scare um and then i said also like the biggest freak out overacting ever like when the the woman is is identified as the one who's actually infected just like just fucking like if you just directed them to say to just like okay what i want you to do when we when we when we start filming is just freak the fuck out (laughs) is i feel how the is what the direction was shout outs to felicity huffman uh it was you all along uh, and then my final note for this episode is feel significantly less professional like i i think what i mean by that when i wrote that down i think what i meant was this feels almost like a almost like a lower budget episode than some of the other ones yeah a, um a bottle episode yeah um Just one location in that like oh this show has a budget and they spent it elsewhere <laughs> um episode 9 this is space um, the synopsis is when Mulder and Scully are told of sabotage attempts to NASA space shuttles, the agents investigate the reports and find that the space agency may be under alien control. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on space? They could have completely gotten rid of the space ghost and coast this still would have been, yes, coast to coast. This, this would have been either equally as good or even better of an episode. Mm-hmm. They don't, I, like, do they shoehorn in this stuff into things that like, the drama of the space launch and him being a fan and them kind of just being there because they're federal agents and not like X-Files agents. Like, I feel like they could have done something with just the personal, uh, the, the flight commander lady and like the, the husband on, on the ship and like 
the old astronaut and like I don't know. Yes, but why give him a drinking Mulder problem or something? Sully be there if like if there was because he's a fan. I don't know. I, I, Chris I, I, Carter, you wrote this episode. You come up with something better. Um. So I do think that the every time the like the head of 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 this mission is talking, that dude, he's just fucking chewing scenery. It is the biggest overacting. It is it is it is extraordinarily B movie. It is like a B minus movie in in every time he is on the screen. Yes, which is great, but I I don't think it quite goes into the pantheon of overacting like the Hall of Fame, which is like Al Pacino and Heat, or anything Nicolas Cage ever does. Nicolas Cage has been like, can be subtle, but when they like go full nuts, mm-hmm. he goes full nuts. Mm-hmm. I wrote, I hate this CG. Um, I it's think the it's worst. Bad. It's, it, it's like, and I get it. It's the nineties, but like, I don't know, man. You should have done something else. You should have picked. If you can't do, if you can't do it right, just do something different. Just pick something else. Um, Mulder is pretty flippant considering, uh, what a kook he is. Like, he, he is, he's just like, you know, these conspiracy theorist assholes to Scully. And it's like, Mulder, you should take a look in the mirror, my guy. I really didn't know if they were going to get into the whole, like, moon landing, stupid old person conspiracy theory stuff with him. But again, this episode didn't need a space ghost. Everything with the space ghost was stupid. Uh, you don't learn anything about them. They're out there. They don't want something to like it. Just just. Mm-hmm awful but I, I i still liked the episode i didn't like it as much as, as the previous ones mm-hmm. um my next note it, is Mulder is a fucking simp what a chump yeah uh, I, I i can't get over him being like a big astronaut nerd considering that like astronauts are sort of the antithesis of of aliens Mm. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be like it just so happens that we don't have aliens living near us. But it very could have like if if aliens did happen to live near us, we would very much associate astronauts with aliens, right? Yeah, but it's we're sending a human out into space, and and the aliens are from outer space coming mm-hmm. to the human planet. Well, this but is a I space guess ghost, Jared. It's very different than an alien. How did the space? Uh, were the space ghosts in him? I, did they escape? How many? He's being how did, haunted. The whole thing was was preposterous and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next note is: I know it's for pacing, but having a discussion about the guilt of the main <laughs> the main guy uh, in the building where where the like the all of the project is happening seems very like a like a very bad idea. I I definitely think now I'm going back to the if you were to get rid of the ghost mm-hmm. and to make this a better episode, don't give him like a drinking problem. Make one of the characters make a horrible mistake, like mm-hmm. in Danny Boyle's Sunshine, mm-hmm. which is the most human thing you could do is have a human make a mistake. And your art is about what it means to be human mm-hmm. and have that guilt and the pressure of the situation. Like you could have done so many different things with this, mm-hmm. but no space ghost. Yep. My next note is space ghost coast to coast. <laughs> and the oh, following God. note is Otacon ass scientist hiding and pissing his pants in the corner. Yep. Just li- it, it is all. It is almost like even the room that they're in. I'm like, this is that scene from Metal Gear Solid One. Um, Muller is fucking shook that the guy would lie, which is like, Muller, what are you do? What are you doing, pal? Everybody's lying all the time. But if astronauts lied about going to the moon, then that just unravels everything, Grant. Um, the main, the main NASA guy um, is whatever ranting that the media doesn't cover them enough. And I said, uh, "Blame Ronald Reagan, you asshole." 
Um, <laughs> my next note is the worst, worst possible overacting, um, schlock and not in the good way. And then the, my final note is we need more clapping in our jobs. We do need more clapping. Uh, clapping in general is not on airplanes or movie theaters, but like clapping in other weird spots is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is booing, publicly booing, a big crowd of people booing. I love that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I like this episode when I watched it, but thinking back, I can only think of the stupid parts. Yeah. So I like this a lot less in my brain. It has good tension. So like that's that, that is like a fundamental thing. It's like it's like like why Apollo 13 works as a movie where it's like, yes. oh, shit, like it's tense when it's like, OK, well, we're cutting off like communication we have to like hope that this works or these people are going to die um like that has good tension i definitely don't want to make it seem like there's only bad stuff but definitely the most notable stuff is the parts that are not great yeah but like sabotage and like flying in the blind and like it just like a, something like there might be a mole and like that like that stuff again you could have absolutely made a great episode and not had a weird black and white thing come out of him the space ghost doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you i think what bothers me more is their decisions about like casting and then also for like the performance choices i think were like weirdly take away from it um episode 10 is F- fallen angel um, this is the one I have the least notes on. Um, the synopsis is Mulder is informed about a government cover-up of a UFO crash site, uh, but finds that a fellow US- UFO enthusiast is also interested in the find. What do you, what do you think about episode 10, Fallen Angel? This is an episode that on Wikipedia is marked as sort of the like continuation of the main plot line from the first two of the season. Sure. Uh, the alien mythology arc is what they're mm-hmm. calling it. Yeah. And this has the same issue as the second episode, Deep Throat, which I can't believe they named it that. I'm interested in Mulder and the guy in the cage who's a fan and his stuff more than I am the like there's a predator monster who can go invisible and they're trying to catch it. And how dare you Mulder get to the bottom of this? Cause there are just things above you that you just don't understand, man. Yeah. It goes all the way to the top. Yeah. Um, so my first note is Mulder is completely unhinged, taking pictures of the hazmat. Like he is just like absolutely losing his mind while he is doing it. He's like Austin Powers in the uh, photo shoots, or he's just, you know, just, yeah, baby, yeah, no, no, yes, yes. Just like, I love it. I love photographer Mulder. I also really like, um, this is my note is Scully busting his ass out of the Who's Gal. Um, I, I really like, like, a kind of pissed off Scully coming in and being like, Mulder, what the fuck did you get yourself into this time? Yeah, that, I mean, I don't want this to turn into like a, uh, a 50 sitcom where it's always like, oh, you got some explaining to do. Like, what did you he get into this He does have some explaining to do. I mean, in this particular case, he does. But I, I hope going forward that that's not like always the case. I really like the phrase, a highly classified lie. I also thought it was, it was delivered pretty well. She's like, she's like, Mulder, this is highly classified. And he was like, a highly classified lie. Oh, I thought that yeah, was pretty good. That was a good um, thing. Uh, the Max Schlock. So like the, the, the goofy shit around the character Max, who is the, the like, I don't know, alien superfan. Um, I think this is Schlock in the good way. Like it's overacting and it's goofy, but I think this stuff works where the, the over acting in space and to some degree some of the overacting in ice 
doesn't work for me. I think Max works for me as a character. I do. I love Max. Um, I, I guess my my radar for overacting has not ever really been triggered because I feel like I know what I'm signing up for. Mm-hmm. And if you can exceed expectations like the pilot from Ice, then I remember you. And if you're just forgettable, then you're forgettable. And if you're really bad, then you're really bad. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, just, I guess I just, I've never really like noticed it, noticed it. Like I, I found I, I feel like it's just inherent with the wackiness of what I'm watching. Yeah, they play around with and they, they kind of subvert this. So it's not it's not like a pure criticism, but I, they, they are kind of judgy or at least expecting the viewer to be judgy about mental illness and the meds that Max is taking. And I don't really love that. Yeah, that wasn't great. Um, I'm also, I'm not sure where I stand on the Mulder is going to keep investigating these things and going off the rails or whatever, mm-hmm. like beyond protocol. And there's this weird push and pull where the show is constantly like slapping his hand, like stop doing that. Like the, like the government doesn't want you to be here or do whatever. Mm-hmm. But then like this, the head boss is like, nah, go ahead, like go for it. Here's some more information. And it's just like, are they going to be able to like keep this up? Like either let him do his job or make him like an ex FBI dude. Who's like gone rogue. And then he's actually going to fight the government. Cause like, as of right now, it's very weird and confusing. Uh, I do think that, so, th- you know, obviously we have a lot to go. <laughs> so like there, there's lots of things, but I would say even in the relatively short, like su- two seasons ish that I've seen, um, that, Hey, there's going to be a lot of movement in that, in that area is what I would say. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I-, I like the monster of the week stuff way more so far. Um, and my last note is, um, the electric thing, like whatever entity they are depicting from a first person perspective the is, has huge, 80s 90s music video vibes yeah like the predator i don't know why they just didn't include the do a crossover like Fortnite does just make this the predator yeah and have the predator flossing i I, honestly i think they did put predator and xenomorphs into Fortnite. i don't think it's fucking ridiculous this is this is the society that you fucking people want is you want the xenomorph flossing this is what i was playing fall guys and they have godzilla and mecha godzilla in there shit sucks dude but godzilla's also in call of duty not a fan not a fan of any of that shit. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Fallen Angel? I think it is, it, it this is a totally okay episode to me. Yeah. Um, but it is not, I don't find it stand out, but I do think that the character of Max is pretty good. Yeah, Max is interesting. I, I liked him a lot. I want more weirdos like him. I want more people sort of like on Mulder's side mm-hmm. or people who like Seth Green. Good from news. the first one. Yeah. Good news, oh, uh, Jared. Bad. You're going to get bad. more of that. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's what I want. I want I want some weirdos. I want some like not government agents who are constantly resisting him or like evil generals. Like I want more like less like like housewives who are like my child's been kidnapped. But like more people who are like, yeah, man, there is some fucked up shit going on. Like, let me I'll I'll, I'll help you. I'll get you into some weird places like, you know, well, I think we're I think we're always going to have a mix of that. I I don't think that we're ever going to get away from the like, uh, like innocent bystander and also like some other miscellaneous government entity, probably the DOD being like, Hey, fuck off. Um, I, I think you're, that is always going to be the case. 
Well, if you're going to make them innocent bystanders, make them like a, a royal British government family who's like secretly having affairs or whatever. Like, mm. I, I know this is like an episode or two in the into the future, but like that, like you got to give me a little something extra. You got to give me a little spice. Like you got to you got to twist it a little. Give me give me something mm. a little twisted. Um. So the next uh, the next four episodes that we will be tackling in a future episode uh, is eleven is Eve, twelve is Fire, thirteen is Beyond the Sea, and fourteen is the very concerning title gender bender which if i remember correctly is not as concerned it it sounds way worse than the than it actually is i've seen e fire and beyond the sea and i really like those episodes um let let's hope that the title gender bender does not let us down in the way that deep throat really got my expectations super sky high and then i saw it and i was like this is the worst episode of the show yeah uh, they, they they sold you a bill of goods unfortunately um yeah. so yeah that's that's excellent I, pretty good week i think we are we are definitely in it and like i'm thinking about eve eve is like i, I you know but i don't want to talk about it because obviously we're gonna talk about that next time but like these are there are some real good episodes here in the in the middle of season one there there's some real good shit. Yeah. I mean, if there wasn't, I wouldn't be uh, watching the show, but there is good stuff. And I look forward to watching more mm-hmm. if that wasn't apparent already. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Um, I watched the first two episodes of the Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Um, it seems fine, but I, I you know, I, I'll get around to finishing it up. Um, it's, it's cool to see, you know, Ewan McGregor again, um, in the role. It, it, like, that's nice. I don't think that the first two episodes are particularly strong. They're not, they're not offensive. I'm not mad at them, which I definitely think that like the Boba Fett show is just straight up fucking bad. Like they just made a bad show. Um, this is not, I don't think based on the first two episodes that I saw are bad, but I'm like, yeah, no, this is okay. Um, and I also think him having to interact with baby Leia or little Leia, Leia um, sucks. I hate it. Um, uh, and then also I hate that they just keep making shows that take place on fucking Tatooine. Tatooine exists in Star Wars because it is a nowhere place where it is convenient to hide a child. <laughs> And they're it like, was Morocco where they could shoot cheaply. And it's like, why does every single thing have to take place on Tatooine? It's a place where no one should be. It's nowhere. It's the middle of fucking nowhere. It's member berries. It's remember this place? Shit sucks. I fucking like I fucking hate that. And I really wish that they would do literally anywhere else. Honestly, they could go to places that we've already seen in the movie. They could go to Coruscant or whatever. Still would be better than going back to to fucking Tatooine again. It at least makes sense if they were going to place a thing in Coruscant, because Coruscant is the fucking, like, capital of the goddamn galaxy. So, like, yeah, there's a bunch of shit happening there. Tatooine, nothing is supposed to be happening there. It's fucking, it's a handful of gangsters in a fucking sand planet where nothing happens. Uh, Grant, I I have some bad news for you. Uh, this show doesn't go to Hoth or or the Moon of Endor, the Forest Moon of Endor, or uh, Alderaan or Yavin 4 or anywhere else. And I will continue to say this publicly and privately, and I will continue to be right, is that everything Star Wars related after 1983 was a mistake and they should have stopped it there and made new stuff because capitalism corrupts artistic integrity. Boo. I'm not wrong. No, I think I think you're wrong. There, there's there is good stuff, especially like fucking. I like I like Kotor 
one and two significantly more than I like the movies. <laughs> like, obviously, they couldn't exist without the movies. But, like, I like those, th- like, that setting and those characters more than I like the movies. And if you just said, we're done, you know, clap, 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 we're like, no more Star Wars <laughs> after Return of the Jedi, um, some of my favorite Star Wars stuff would have never been made. I think the batting average for TV shows and movies is like 20%. And I think the batting average for video games is like well over 50%. So maybe if they had just let the sort of like write weird novels and do Shadows of the Empire and make games and just like no more new like filmed content, that would have been awesome. But like it's what Mandalorian and Boba Fett and no, 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 no. Uh, in terms of good things. Oh, ah, it's Mandalorian no. and. I don't love the Mandalorian. Force Awakens. No, well, hey, listen, I'm gonna put the Last Jedi way above that shit. I love the Last Jedi, and like, fuck the Mandalorian. They like they the Mandalorian gets by, skates by as being quote unquote good because it has the fucking baby Yoda, which is adorable and delightful. But like the plot, the plotting, and like the pacing of that fucking show, terrible. It's so bad. Nothing. Ha- they, they. It is. It is a show that is like ninety five percent trash quests. In a video game. Star Wars after 83. Mistake. Boo this man. Um, Right. Don't boo me up. You know I'm right. Boo. Um, Blade Runner Enhanced Edition came out. Um, They... We did, they put it on consoles, and that's cool. Um, they have, they have, um, controller support. They have modern control support, which is good. They added subtitles, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, some of the stuff, it, it, they're, in their attempt to try to use AI to remaster them, some things, some, it actually looks worse in some ways. Um, I will say Night Dive Studios has historically been very responsive to criticism. So when people are like, hey, this shit that you did makes it look worse than the, than the original game, they'll go, okay, Cool. We'll work on this and we'll put out patches to make it, to make it better. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you can buy the non-enhanced edition on GOG if you want. But, uh, yeah, if you're buying it on consoles, that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm just glad that Blade Runner is available again. He's easily playable because, um, it's a cool thing. It's a weird thing that they, they made a Blade Runner, they made a Blade Runner game in the late nineties, kind of like before Blade Runner became, like Blade Runner had started to, become a cult classic but it had not be, it had not reached like uh saturation yet uh in in culture in popular culture so it is very interesting that they made a blade runner game in 1997 and it's a like a point and click adventure it's also a voxel game it's a game that uses voxel and f- before minecraft came out that was like the only go to like what games use voxels i guess that blade runner adventure game used voxels and that was the only one that like i could think of or most people could could name that as as a game that used voxels but then minecraft happened and became the biggest thing on the planet is blade runner the velvet underground for movies and that it's like clearly more it, it inspired way more filmmakers and just didn't have a sort of cultural footprint in the way that like velvet underground inspired like a hundred bands or whatever like a thousand bands and like like people don't listen to them maybe but I, like i do think that eventually blade runner became like culturally saturated but it took a long time at like that movie came out in like 1984 and it like did not was not a like a considered like a a big deal 
I feel, until much, much later. Um, and, like, slowly over time. And they also, like, recut that movie 11 goddamn times. Um, but, yeah, and, and it does get better. Like, depending on what cut, depending on what cut you're watching, like, it is a better or worse movie. <laughs> um, I also think that it's such a weird, Blade Runner is weird because the novel that it's based off of is the weirdest fucking thing ever. And Blade Runner takes some, many of the core concepts, but is just, is just like cool and moody and doesn't take any of the weird bullshit from the novel. Like all of the weird bullshit that makes the novel distinct. They're like, nah, let's leave that. <laughs> let's leave that on. Let's leave that on the page. We're not, we're not going to do the, 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 he, he is, he feels like longing for cattle. And so he gets a fake cattle. Like they're like, no, we're not, we're not going to have, we're not going <laughs> to have the main character long for cattle. That's not a thing we're going to do. I mean, the best adaptations know what to take and use and what to leave on the cutting room floor. Um, and I feel like the, the sequel 2049, I really liked because Denis Villeneuve takes material and is very good at like just taking what you need and some elements that maybe haven't aged well and sort of like adapting them or like changing them around like Dune was great. Uh, Arrival is based off of a short story. Uh, I want to say a couple of his earlier films are also like adaptations. Like he knows what the hell he's doing. Mm. And I was super into 2049 uh, way more than a lot of other people. So. I've only watched the first half. I have it. I watched the first half. and I'm like, I'm into this. I'm going to get back to this. And I have not yet. But I like the I like the first half. What did you just watch the first half? And then you were like, oh, sorry. I, 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 I literally gotta, started I the movie. Catch. I literally started the movie and I was like, oh, OK, I have to go to bed. And then I didn't get back to it. When was this? You should just finish watching it now. That was like a year ago. Oh my god! I'll get I'll get around to it, and I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch the whole thing because you know, finding time to watch movies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Dragon's Dogma Two was announced. That's cool. They've been talking about that for a long time. I I I should probably play Dragon's Dogma. It's a game that I've been like, I should get around to this, and have not. Is it's literally installed on my PlayStation. It is. It, I- it, it's there. It's I yeah, same thing. I have installed my Xbox. I'm like waiting for like a week to just like I'm just gonna get into Dragon's Dogma and that week has not come. I do want to do it though. So I, I should. And also Austin We're going Walker to. Austin Walker put out a he he started a it's not a literal Substack, but it's a newsletter. Um, and he wrote so much on Dragon's Dogma. Um, which is funny because like people, everyone associates him or in the, in the, you know, in that circle, um, associates him with Dragon's Dogma and like has just never really written extensively on it. Um, and that, but like this past like week or so because of the Do- Dragon's Dogma 2 announcement wrote like, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably like 8,000 words on it or something like that. I mean, he's known for the Soul series as well, but we have to do like a video game book club. Like we both have to like play at the same time to like kind of like X-Files. We're like we're like we're going alongside this thing together to generate conversation because we didn't get around to it when it first came out. Yeah. Yep. Um, The the second uh, Final Fantasy seven remake uh, was kind of like. Hey, it's coming. We're working on it. Um, and that's, you know, that's good. I, did you play, did you play Final Fantasy VII Remake? I played the demo and I was like, this is for me a slightly less Jarity Kingdom Hearts. Like I'm super into Kingdom Hearts and the demo for seven, the remake, it was like less control and like less action and like way more like, tedium and like the fights were really long and like the levels were like super super linear and like not interesting and i was like i don't know how like super into this because i have no nostalgia for final fantasy uh but i just wanted to mash buttons and like summon disney characters and like that game didn't give that to me so i was like i'm i'm good 
Unfortunately, you can't summon Disney characters. You can summon other things. There are summons in that game, but you can't summon Disney characters. Um, I, I think it's really good, and it is. It has it has a lot of like meta uh, context to it, where like they're they in the game they are commenting on Final Fantasy VII as like a cultural entity. That's fucking cool as shit. Any like you know you can't just put anything any meta shit and I'll eat it up. It has to be well executed, and I think this is really really well executed. Uh, like meta aspects of of Final Fantasy. So I think that it is good and approachable to people who have never played Final Fa- the original Final Fantasy VII, but if you do have played Final Fantasy VII, there is some real good shit in there. Um, also, the, the characters are... So, turns out, um, some relatively uh, straightforward and uh, translations of a 1990s JRPG uh, into, the, into English... Don't necessarily give you the the best characterizations. The characterizations that they do in this new game significantly better. Some really fleshed out characters that are like, oh wow, this is effective. I like these characters in a way that they were barely characters in the first game. So I, I think they did a really good job on on the remake. I'm I'm excited to play the second one. And they also announced it will be a trilogy, which is. Uh, they I, they had not said those words before, but it, it definitely had the vibe of they're going to put out at least three of these. <laughs> um, so that's oh, cool. Funny, yes. Um, well, also like the amount that they expanded on the intro part of Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy Seven is like. Yeah, they really did make it a full game, and and like they they really did make it a like game length intro uh, for something that is probably like I don't know five six hours in the original game. They made it a like a forty hour game, and it didn't it is it isn't filled with filler. It's like oh no, yep, they did the work they did the work here to make this make sense. So I, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, the other thing that Square announced was um, Crisis Core. Uh, they're remaking Crisis Core and putting it out on modern consoles, and that's cool as shit. I've I've put probably about two or three hours into it uh, in a PSP emulator because they only ever released it on a physical UMD for the PSP, and I never had a PSP. I did have a Vita, and I would have absolutely bought it digitally, but they never released it digitally, so I never played it on a console. I never paid the money for it because they didn't have a way for me to do it. Um, so I am very excited. They're, you know, they're, they're, you know, putting in a fresh coat of paint on it. They're doing full voice acting instead of partial voice acting. I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, I'm just excited to play Crisis Core again. Video game companies baffle me mm. by leaving so much money on the table for just not selling things people want to buy. For instance, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4 remake. People yeah. want to buy it. The first one and second one together did really well. And then and Activision's like, no. And Sony and From are like, you guys want anything Bloodborne related? And everyone's like, yes, take our money. And they're like, no. And Nintendo's like, hey, we have all these awesome games that we could like sell people. And people are like, hey, we have money for that. And they're like, mm, no. Uh, video game companies are stupid and they're all run by morons. Yeah, it's weird. It's especially weird because, like, on the Crisis Core front, it was something that, like, they literally didn't have to do any work because PSP games just straight up ran on Vita, no work added. They just had to, like, sign a contract that allowed Sony to sell it digitally. That's literally all that they had to do, and they were like, nah, we're good. (laughs) Uh, GoldenEye remake, money on the table, morons, and... If Konami wanted several million people to give them $20 each, they could just sell PT, but they just won't do it because they're cowards and they hate money. Yeah. 
Um, I also have other demo stuff. I, I've played some of the demos because there was a Steam demo fest, and now we're, we're as we're recording, we're currently in the Xbox One. I played some demos. I can talk about some of them. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into demos? Do I have to talk about things that are demos? No, things before we get into demos. Oh, okay. Um, I think I messaged you about three things I just wanted to quickly run through. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game was like the best two to three hours I've, I've had in a very long time with my friends. And then we beat it and it was like, oh, there's nothing else to this. But boy, was that a fantastic three hours that I paid zero dollars for on Game Pass. Um, so that's wonderful. But I wouldn't pay for it because it really is just the campaign and that's it. I mean, that's my, that was my problem with the, with the X Men. I was talking, to, it was we were chatting about it earlier this week about like the X Men brawler that came out in the nineties. I loved it when I when I was in the nineties and I was playing it in an arcade. Um, it was fantastic. I had a great time. But then when it came out, they put it out on in like the PS three Xbox three sixty era, and I got it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is hitting nostalgic notes and like, oh, I really love this art style, et cetera, et cetera, because it is, it is like a a, a Based, I would say, r- roughly based on on X Men the animated series, but then also has some of their own custom stuff around it. I think it looks really good, but it does not hold up as a video game. I'm kind of blown away that no one ever tried to take on the mantle of Castle Crashers, which is like the best beat 'em up ever made, mm-hmm. and everyone in the industry was like, "We can't do it better," and no one has tried until this game, which again is just. It looks great and it sounds great and it's super fun and they did everything right and it's like a perfect nostalgia trip, but like it is super paper thin Mm -hmm. and really short. And Castle Crashers was like a whole ass campaign with like RPG leveling and like it, it, it just like went above and beyond any sort of like side scrolling beat em up. And again, the industry was just like, do we want to do that or should we try to copy Call of Duty multiplayer? And they all just went in that direction. I, uh, watched and enjoyed the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle animated series uh, as a child. I have not seen any of the movies. I have not read any of the comics. Is this just all of like the core like core artwork that is based on that show it's it's so based on that amazing 90s show it has like the same intro music and it is so heavily based on like turtles in time in the arcade mm. game like the animations and like the moves and uh, uh lines of dialogue and like levels and bosses but i mean it's all like recontextualized and like redone mm-hmm. and it is just the big it's a it's the most pure dopamine hit of nostalgia but in the best way um are the heroes rec- in a half show oh yeah oh well Turtle that's great power. that's great news uh, it, is on, it is on game pass but i think it's it's also on like everything right like it's on playstation it's on uh, PC, it's on Switch too, right? Yeah, but I would only recommend playing on a Game Pass. Like, I wouldn't drop twenty five dollars for this because it really only lasts you an evening, and it has six player multiplayer. But mm. like, even with four people, it's so chaotic and like hard to see what's going on. Yeah. Um. So, second thing, I have been desperately trying to get into the Marvel Snap closed beta. Okay. So far as to going to like try to emulate Android and creating dummy accounts and trying to pay people to get codes and emailing the the studio asking them if I could like cover the game and like I just cannot get into this goddamn game because it's like closed beta invite or you have to live in the Philippines and it it hurts uh, I, it sucks that I, I can't play it you could move to the Philippines does that help <sighs> You don't speak Tagalog. 
I, I'm just so impatient. And I remember in 2013, I got into the Hearthstone closed beta pretty easily. Like they were very willing to let people like play the hell out of that mm. before it officially launched. And I basically played hearthstone almost every single day of my life since then and i'm like ready to stop playing hearthstone and to get into marvel snap because it's the same creative team that left blizzard and they wanted to make their own thing and then marvel called them up and said make make a marvel card game and it's going to be super accessible and like fun and easy to get into and they were like yes Hmm. and they did it and then they were like hey everyone you can't play and it was uh, like, why do streamers get it? I don't understand. And they're like, hey, we got seasons and season pass and like stuff going on. It's like, but but I but I, I can't play. I can only watch streamers play and have fun. I don't understand. Who let them call it Marvel Snap and not Cardville? Oh, and you wanted to boo me? Yeah, okay. <laughs> boo you, sir. Boo. And what's your what's your what's your what's your third bit? Uh, Fall Guys came out for everything. It's free to play and. I won four games in a row, and that game is a lot of fun, and it's great. But you have to link your profiles from previous platforms and or Steam to Epic Games. So I had to like go to customer support through Mediatronic to get the, the skins that I had unlocked for the Xbox version. And it's been a sort of two-day-long emailing back and forth. And I'm pretty sure they're like in Australia or something, because like in the middle of the night they'll like respond with questions. So it's just been this ongoing like endeavor to like get the stuff I had unlocked from the Steam version, which is delisted, and now you have to play on Epic Game Store on my Xbox. And describing this is apparently making you sick, so I will stop. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's okay. I swallowed, I took a drink, and it went down the wrong tube. Going down the wrong tube is the plot of Fall Guys. Um, what? Hey, Jared, what's a Fall Guy? Um, he's just a little bean guy. He's a little bean dude. And what does he do? Like, what's the, what is the, I've never played, it's a multiplayer game, so like, fucking, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a battle royale. It is a game show adjacent battle royale that is the closest approximation to MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, uh, from from Spike, where that is based on a, an 80s game show called Takeshi's Castle, where hundreds of Japanese people wearing helmets would run into ridiculous outlandish things that you might have seen on American Ninja Warrior or regular Ninja Warrior or Wipeout. And it's just you play a little cartoon character and it's just like a big maze or like uh, obstacle course and you just try to survive and it is adorable and has great music and lots of fun costumes and is super competitive or it can be super silly and i would highly recommend watching some gameplay footage grant because you might appreciate it while not wanting to play it yeah i mean i definitely don't want to play it but i could potentially watch people play it it's also one of those where it's where i have taken enough like psychic damage by like the people that I like watch to watch play video games are them being like, we should play PUBG like every day for six months. And I'm like, all right, cool. That means when they're playing a battle royale, I should check the fuck out and never look at their bullshit. I mean, PUBG was, was really fun when that came out. Like that, that core idea is so good and has, yes, and has been very rarely executed well because the history of multiplayer games was very 90s PC heavy and really went console heavy from Halo onwards. But on consoles for the longest time, it was really like 16 versus 16 was the biggest you could get. And then like Battlefield had some like 32 versus 32. So the concept of having like over 100 
people in one session is somewhat new to console multiplayer, which is sort of like the predominant place to play. Um, and I feel like PUBG, Fortnite, and Apex Legends, and now I guess Fall Guys, like in individual pockets of time, they've they've nailed it. And for the most part, everyone else has sort of like not nailed it. When PUBG first hit, I watched like probably like two streams of them playing on Giant Bomb being like, oh, wow, they're going to play this again? Okay. And then realizing like, oh, this is just going to be every fucking day forever. And then at that point, I'm like, okay, anytime they're playing PUBG, don't look at it. I don't click it. I'm not, not interested in watching it. And then Fortnite hit big. I'm like, I'm never going to look at a single image of people playing Fortnite. And then Ape Legs came out and I'm like, I hate that they're talking about this on a podcast for like an hour straight. Um, I'm never going to watch anybody play Ape Legs, let alone play it myself. I, that's so fascinating because like there are big multiplayer games that have come out like over the course of podcasting history that I'm sure like what is you just you just stomached it and just trudged through like Halo and Call of Duty and like whatever well, like, was like, like the new when, hotness back in the day like I like in the early bombcast years where it's like Brad fucking talking about StarCraft 2 again and then Brad talking about fucking Dota again oh and, like, god Dota yeah that shit sucks and I don't care about yeah. it and like and it's all anybody ever wants to fucking talk about when those things hit and I'm like Cool, I guess the podcast I listened to just sucks for, like, an hour. Yeah, that was back before, like, uh, especially YouTube that had, like, you could, like, do segments and you could just skip to the segment of, like, the topic really easily. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I guess, like, the Dota thing for me is, like, basically what you feel about literally all multiplayer, where I'm just mm. like, oh, fuck off with Dota. Like, I understand it. I get it. Like, I've played League of Legends. Like, those games are fun, but they are not my life, so I don't need them to be my life. And then when people talk about him incessantly, like Rebel FM or whatever, it's just like, oh, my God, like, stop talking about Dota. And Brad uh, with Destiny. Like, I, I liked when Des- I, I played the campaign when Destiny 2 came out, and then I said, okay, I'm done with Destiny 2. And it is my understanding that you can't even play the main campaign of Destiny 2 anymore. They've broken it and said, nope, never again, um, which seems bad. Yeah, they, they, were, they removed content. In a way that, like, World of Warcraft, it was like, oh, like, uh, the Burning Crusades will, like, destroy parts of the map, and, like, you can never go back until they made WoW Classic. Like, weird stuff like that, it, like, boggles my brain, because I'm just so used to, like, the Halo campaign. You pick a level, and you pick some fun uh, settings, and you play, and you have fun, and you could redo them, and you could add points, and you could add, like, silly cheat codes, and you can add your friends, and that campaign is is hella good. And then Destiny's like, but what if we like made it so you never played stuff ever again? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like, what are you people doing? This is stupid. What, what kills me is that like that that initial campaign was good. I liked it. I I thought I, oh, I, I, I didn't, didn't like, like it. I didn't like Destiny one at all. And I was like, I, no, I, I'm not I'm not going to play through this. Destiny two came out, played through the campaign. I'm like, this is a good time. I am not going to keep up with it because. I'm not a keeping up with a live game type of person. Um, and as such, they've put out like a million things and, at, you know, they, they split from their Activision deal and yada and went solo and seem to have done an okay job of putting out things that their diehard fan base really wants. But in doing so has made it entirely impenetrable to people who are not part of their diehard fan base. So I hear people talk about Destiny 2. Um, and I'm like, oh, I mean, like, I, I, I liked Destiny. Like, uh, there's probably content in there that I would like. And then it's like, oh, yeah, if you haven't been playing, uh, it's really complicated to get to the thing you want to do or even pick it out of the map. Um, yeah. And oh, that Aren't thing that came out. And- 
the grinding and the loot and the store and the guy moves and yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, there, in that game is a game that I enjoy, but there's so much shit around it for, that is designed for live service lovers that I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit. I'm not, I'm not going to continue playing Destiny 2, but that Destiny 2, when I, when the fuck did that come out? Came out like, like 2017, something like that. Um, that original uh, I, version of Destiny 2 was good. I, I couldn't even go that far. Like, like I think two of the most heartbreaking things to happen in gaming for me was Bethesda going from a good studio to a bad one. Did yes. they go, and, were they a good studio? Or, yes. was, or was there just not very many games to play when the Xbox 360 came out? No, uh, Oblivion, Fallout 3, and then when Obsidian did with Fallout New Vegas, like, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, but that's not the point. The, the other thing that happened that really destroys me is, like, being, like, a lifelong Halo fanatic uh, and a big bonding experience for my core group of friends from middle school. It was basically, like, Smash Brothers and, like, Nintendo stuff and and halo bungie going from making the most the big spectacle blockbusters that were accessible and fun and they were just like pro player and it was really smart campaign design and like great multiplayer maps and it was just like fun shooting and they were like what if and i remember reading this in the jason schreier book they were like what if we just made a sci-fi space shooter again but made it an mmo so we put in like weird timers and currencies and everything's on a cooldown like your grenades and uh we make so many different types of guns that none of them really stand out except for the ones that you want to pay for and it was just like this studio is just the opposite of what i want now like that studio is dead to me like they just don't make things i enjoy and then the team that makes halo basically fucked it up ever since halo infinite and even that's not going super well so it's just a real like the studio i loved it's sort of not what it is anymore and the franchise i loved is not what it is anymore so like they're sort of both dead in Let my me tell eyes you it about sucks bioware <laughs> oh yeah that's another one jesus uh yeah um any other things before we hit some demos no you can talk about demos all day long i'm, I'm done um did you play any of the demos not all one um severed steel is a first person game that is very much trying to do like the speed running thing like uh ghost runner i think is what is that cyberpunk one of those but also has some similarities to like a, the the first person parkour of like a mirror's edge um I ghost runner, find- yeah <clears throat> that's yeah. the name of it um i found I didn't play uh, none of these. I've played a ton of. I, it's more like I wanted to jump in and just see what they were, um, and then I jumped out and went to the next thing. Um, I probably put like fifteen minutes into into each of these, or most of them, I should say. Um, Severed Steel seems like it's a it's it's that idea, and it's okay. I, some of the the controls were a bit clunky. There's a uh, um, like. <laughs> There's like a, you know, hit B to slide. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. But then if you hit, if you're, if you move backwards, like you're, you're backstepping and you hit slide, you just like slide backwards, like really fast and kind of forever until you're, you slide off the stage and I'm like, oh, oh, mm, this needs some work before you put it on. All of these kind of busted. Not all of them. Lots of them are kind of busted, I should say. Sounds like Fall Guys. Slipping <laughs> and sliding all over the place. Um, broken pieces was like okay uh, you know looking at looking at looking at the the demo page on like the Xbox I was like okay you're you know third person and you're exploring uh and solving puzzles maybe this is for me no it's um this is silent hill it's basically silent hill 
Um, they made they made a Silent Hill game, and um, as such, uh, they it is just all of the bullshit of like a Silent Hill or Resident Evil game where you have a fixed camera angle. Um, and I um, hate everything about moving in it, and I hate I'm out. Hard exploring. Pass. Do not like any part of it. <laughs> like I, miserable experience. I'm open minded to any game, but as soon as you're like re one camera angles, I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, no, thank it's, you. With real- one exception, I think God of War, the original game on PS2, mm-hmm. like those games did that camera angle really well because mm-hmm. you couldn't move with the right stick, the camera, but they just didn't like they always put it in the right spot so that mm-hmm. the right analog stick could be your dodge roll. Anything else? No. Um, the next one is a game called Grotto. And so here, here is, here's like the, the, the basic intro or, or the, like a slug line. Grotto is a mystical narrative focused experience. You are a soothsayer, uh, the one capable of talking with the stars and unveiling their messages. Um, and I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And I think the art style is pretty cool. There's links in the show notes if you want to see what it looks like. I'm like, this seems cool. Booted it up on the Xbox, pressed literally every button on the controller and could not get it to <laughs> progress beyond the, the start screen. So, um, I don't know, uh, what that deal was, but, uh, I didn't have a good time. Couldn't get past the start screen. Um, what if that's the game? Like, it's a mind fuck. So I will probably, you know, it, sa- it sounds cool. And I think it looks cool. It looks, it looks cool. And like, there aren't very many games that have this really grimy look to them. And I'm pretty into it. So I, I, I would love to learn more about you, Grotto. But when I tried to play you, it didn't, it didn't really work. Um, next one is Wave Break. And you might go, okay, wave break. That sounds like maybe it's like wave race. Uh, maybe it's, so you're on a jet ski and you are just straight up doing Tony Hawk tricks. You're, you're, I'm in. uh, I'm so in. Uh, wave break is the world's first skateboating game inspired by arcade skateboarding classics. Grind, grab, kickflip, and shoot your way through an explosive 80s crime filled Miami Vice themed world. Love it. Um, I didn't, I didn't put a ton of time into it, but I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a, like, they, you did a funny thing. Um, uh, I did, wasn't immediately sure of, like, that's, the, like, cause I didn't, I didn't necessarily understand that that's like, okay, you're gonna be doing, like, literally skateboarding Tony Hawk shit, but then it's like, okay, now, when the rail's here, here's how you grind on the rail. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> oh. Okay, sure. Yes, that's fine. Um, it was funny, and I you can download the demo, and I think it's it's worth it's definitely worth checking out the demo for free. I will do that. The Outbound Ghost. Um, unfortunately, I didn't. I, so I downloaded it, and then the Steam uh, demo thing has ended. So this demo is no longer live. When I booted it up, it did not have proper like uh, keyboard and mouse controls, and I'm like, oh, I, I my controller's in another room. I don't really want to get up and get it. I'll come back to it later. Unfortunately, the demo expired. Um, this is the game. Uh, the Outbound Ghost is, hey, what if we made a Paper Mario game? <laughs> and you can go in and click the link in the show notes and look at it and go, oh, they just took Paper Mario and then made an art. Like, this is an adventure RPG. At some point in the trailer, I think it's like a paper RPG. Wink. Um, they, they just made a, a Paper Mario game, which is great because Nintendo is historically pretty bad about coming out with fucking traditional ass Paper Mario games. Paper Mario 1 and 2 are among my favorite games. Incredible. I have incredibly strong takes about this franchise and where it's gone. Mm-hmm. 
I have played every clone there is. Mm-hmm. I'm so down for this game if mm-hmm. it ends up being good. Mm-hmm. I-, I bounced off Bug Fables, mm-hmm. which is the sort of like other big name Paper Mario clone. Um, please just someone either do it right or let Nintendo know that they need to make the next Paper Mario an RPG and that battles need to actually matter because mm-hmm. they were like, what if battles didn't matter and you got nothing out of them? And it was like, well, why would I play it? I mean, I, so here's the thing. Either just bring back the fucking way that Paper Mario used to play. You can do that. Seems great. Or get rid of the combat entirely and just make yes. it like an adventure game. Yes. Those are your two paths, Nintendo. And they're like, yep. no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's really weird. It's just I, hate, really weird. I really hate, hated the way that the combat worked in the, in the latest one, uh, Origami King. Um, I thought that the writing was pretty solid. I thought that the aesthetics were good. Um, but I fucking hate that spinning wheel thing. I hate it. I hate it. I like that game. And at a certain point, I got really tired of the combat. So I just skipped enemies. Mm. And I never was penalized for skipping enemies because they just dropped money. And after I bought everything I needed, it was like, well, I'm never going to do the stupid circle thing or whatever. But like, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed everything outside of the combat. But mm. yeah, let's just hope Outbound Ghost like inspires them to go, oh, you don't think we we can pull this off again? Let's show you. And then they make a Paper Mario 3. Yeah. Uh, Thousand Year Door. Uh, 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 among the best games of that generation, of the like GameCube, PS2, Xbox generation, it's really, really fucking good. I got I got one, one more for you. You ready for this one? I think the game that holds up the best today on N64 is Paper Mario. And I think mm-hmm. like almost every other like mainstream game on that console is like borderline unplayable with the exception of Paper Mario. Zelda's not unplayable. No, but like GoldenEye and stuff is. Sure. Like Super Mario 64 and Zelda are are extremely playable. And yeah, Paper Mario is definitely playable and looks pretty good because they start they fucking used like mostly sprite work, which holds up pretty well as opposed to incredibly low quality polygons um so yeah the other the next one is um kaiju which is the kaiju dating sim which is an incredible pitch a a superb pitch i booted up this game tried to get it to work with keyboard and mouse couldn't get or so the thing is like it wanted you to just like it didn't do anything with the mouse you couldn't manipulate the menu with the mouse which is bad this is bad design and wanted you to use really weird buttons on the keyboard to manipulate i'm like okay i'm going to come back to this later i'm going to have a controller so i came back with it later the 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 demo is still live for this one um i think they're just going to keep it up i went back to it plugged in a controller um, and it, the controls are also totally fucked on a controller. <laughs> so I think the demo is just not particularly functional, or at least with my setup was not particularly functional. And I was like, how do I even, how do I even exit this thing? And I'm pressing every button on the controller and I'm like, I can't bring up a menu. I can't get anything. I had to like, I eventually like punch like escape on my keyboard and it's like, oh, okay, here you go. Here's a menu to, to leave the game. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. So Kaichu sounds great. Uh, incredible pitch. I will look at it more when it's finished cooking, I will say. I feel like every single one of these demos, you're like, I had controller to keyboard problems, and then nothing happened. Like, I feel like that's going to be the basic. Not for the next one. The next oh, one okay. is, is Old Skies, which is from w- uh, Wad Jedi Games. Um, these are the people who have kept point-and-click adventure games alive. <laughs> They've continued putting out point-and-click adventure games, really good point-and-click adventure games for a long time. 
Um, and this is their next one. Uh, and I don't necessarily love the character art, but everything else about this is pretty solid. Um, the core premise is that there, you are in, you are from the future and you, the main character that you are, you are controlling are part of like a time traveling company and then rich assholes pay you to take them back to specific moments in time for them to like relive their youth does anyone go back in time to kill baby hitler well i won't i i can't tell because this is only a demo turn Mm -hmm. um but i played through kind of like the opening bit and um it is very adventure (laughs) gamey like it is it is find the thing to use on the environment so if you don't like those things, you're not going to have a good time. But uh, overall, uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty into old skies, and I think that it 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 broadly looks good, even though I don't I'm not in love with the character art. Um, and I think that it's a de- it's a halfway decent present. Uh, let me let me read let me read the 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 Steam like log line. A time travel adventure spanning 200 years. Uh, dive into the past with time agent Fia Quinn as she embarks on seven trips through time. History is up for grabs from uh, speakeasies of prohibition to the vicious gangs of the Gilded Age to the World Trade Center on September 10, 2001. Mm. Um, Spirit Tea, which is a game that is very much like it. It kind of looks like a Zelda game. It kind of looks like uh, something like a like a Harvest Moon or a, a Stardew Valley, and you are very much tasked with going around and finding um, Japanese spirits like yokai um, that are hiding in the world. Uh, I put probably like twenty thirty minutes into this, and I was. Pr- it- <sighs> frustrated by it i would say is it like oh there's cool thing like there's cool things and i think that some of the art the world art is really cool but i found the controls to be frustrating and i found the writing to be like a really weird tone there's it's almost like um you would you would i would think that it would be a, like a very whimsical fun time uh tone but like the the kind of the spirit that you that you meet and is is something of like your navi um is kind of a dick <laughs> like right off the bat where it's like uh you you get this and then you go and find two more ghosts and then they run away from you and you have to go catch them and then you when you catch them this ghost is like hey what the hell is your problem are you out of your damn mind and i'm like can you fucking chill out my guy fuck um so it was it was a game that you would think would be very chill was kind of aggro, and that put me off a little bit. Um, you might oh, like bug snacks. Hmm, I liked bug snacks. Oh, I love bug snacks, but that is a chill game that quickly does not turn into a chill game. Beth- it's all Bethica's fault, honestly. I would say it's the bug snacks' fault. Oh, the bug snacks are innocent. It's it, it is us mm. who are the monsters. Mm. Um, and the last one is Wayward Strand, which is a very much like a storybook, uh, like point and click adventure game that is very dialogue heavy um and this was this has been on my uh radar for a long time and i played through it and you know you are you are like the daughter of a nurse that is in like something of like a it's like a kind of like a fantasy uh like hospital floating boat it's it's hard to explain but i i went and you know your mom brings you and says like hey go fucking hang out and cheer up some of the patients and i did like four or five patients and i'm like okay yes this is good i don't want to play anymore because i want to play this when it comes out for real um i would say that i i am i'm into it i'm into the way it looks i'm into the the vibe of it um so wayward strand 
it did not put me off. It it only made me more interested in playing the, the finished game. So thumbs up. There's some stuff. There's some good stuff. I I think you will definitely like uh, Wave Break. I think I would like Outbound Ghost and yay demos, more demos, please. I love I love demos. We should bring back demo discs. Also, we shouldn't. Our, our demos should stop expiring. Stop making them expire. Yes, it's marketing. Just sell the game. Sell your game. N- no expire, please. Like put them out and let people play it. And if you say, oh well, I don't want people to get too much and then not buy the game. Don't put too much in the game in there then. Yeah, oh, I don't put, understand. Put it's like, like <laughs> put like 20, 30 minutes in there. Thank you. You don't have to put more. Just put twenty three minutes and people go like, okay, yeah, this is it. I feel like ninety five percent of the time I can tell the vibe of a game within fifteen to thirty minutes of playing the game. Mm. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, Jared, where can people find you on the internet? Twitter.com slash at Jared Russo. Just go, just type in Jared Russo into Twitter. You'll find me. Mm-hmm. Let's say at Jared Russo. Your opinions on Star Wars are bad. I mean, you can try to convince me of that, but again, the batting average, real bad. Uh, and if you want to see what I do, head on over to grantbruner.com. For the Weekly Roar, I'm Grant Bruner. I am Jared Russo. Have a good one. Cry and I probably won't hear you Because it's live with the shop back on